Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. This week, um, Josh asked me what I was going to preach on, and I don't usually tell him. I say, none of your business. You can come on Sunday and hear it with everybody else. But I must have had a little weak moment, and I said, I'm preaching on joy. (laughs) And he sort of laughed. What are you preaching on? I'm preaching on joy. He's like, for real. So apparently there's a little bit of irony attached to this message. So um, we're just trusting that it's Holy Spirit inspired, all right? That there's a reason why he wants me to speak on joy this morning. So I'm believing that the revelation of God is coming to me as much as it's coming to you in this service this morning. So I've been contemplating a little bit on this subject um, in the last couple of weeks and really just thinking about um, two very different forms of joy, a, a worldly joy or a godly joy, and perhaps what the differences can be in these two. So for the sake of this morning, I'm terming one, a, a, the definition of our earthly joy is a boisterous laughter. Does anyone want to give me a a, um, little rendition of that? (laughs) Oh, that was just beautiful. Perfectly done. You nailed that better than Anita did in the first service. Thank you. That was just beautiful. Or, ready, a deep abiding. A deep abiding. So, the dictionary definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Or Webster's says the emotion evoked by well-being, success or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires, delight. We feel joy in our bodies because of the release of dopamine and serotonin, two types of neurotransmitters in the brain. Both of these chemicals are heavily associated with happiness. In fact, people with clinical depression often have lower levels of serotonin. So this week I decided to ask Dr. Google, how do I find joy? And this is what Dr. Google decided to tell me. 11 simple ways, very simple, to find joy in the everyday life. Are you ready for these? Number one, stop waiting to be happy. Hello, that's simple. The good news is there is always fresh opportunities to be happy. Who would have thought? Add happiness to your life right now. Can you see it? It's that easy. Just add it. It's right there. Simple. Make self-care a part of your routine. Fantastic. All up for that. Get in a joyful state of mind. Anyone feeling that? Stop worrying. Fantastic. Why has nobody told me that? Seriously, right now, that's it. Worry is gone. Appreciate the small things. Surround yourself with positive people, of course. Okay, all you negative people, doors over there. Laugh more, love more. Find bliss in a bucket list. So apparently bucket list is not just for the end of your life. 
we can all embrace it wherever we are in this journey and uh, find some bliss in that bucket. Fantastic. Plan your happiness. So simple. Ten-step plan. Write it out today. You're all sweet. So most of these things, would we agree, very good things, but very self-focused and very situational. So what is it that we think about when it comes to joy and happiness? Is it like the Webster definition, once I have everything I want, then I will find joy? Once I'm successful, then I'll find joy? Is it pleasure, fun, doing whatever I want to do? Delight. One moment, my girls are an absolute delight. The next moment, Maybe not. So does my joy come and go? If I have to be perfectly honest, then yes, my joy tends to come and go. Many of our earthly joys die in the very act of being enjoyed. Did you know that joy is mentioned around 200 times in the Bible? I must admit I was surprised. I've never looked at that before. I'm sure many of you could sprout off a scripture that you know about joy. But this morning, we're going to start in the red letters of Jesus and look at John chapter 15, if you want to turn there. Now, this verse tends to get referred to as such a great love scripture. But today, I want to focus on the area of joy. So, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friend. Such a beautiful passage, isn't it? That your joy may be full. I love this. Not that you would just have joy, but that your joy may be full. Our God is such an abundant God. When he gives us something, it's not in a half measure. Full is to render full, to complete, to fill up to the top so nothing is lacking to make complete in every particular, to render perfect. Isn't that fantastic? His joy in us means our joy is full. Our joy becomes full through experiencing Christ's own joy in us. So contrary to what Webster believes, joy is not actually tied to our circumstances, which is so reinforced through the word of God. And I just want to highlight a few scriptures in that. In 2 Corinthians, Paul's speaking to the Macedonians who were poor but a very joyous people in their giving. And he says, In a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. James says, Count it at all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, that's a favourite for all of us, is it not? Absolutely. 
Luke says there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. One sinner. And Habakkuk, a favourite of mine, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Isn't that powerful? Psalm 126 says, Those that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Isn't that interesting? It's not a fake, faith-filled joy. There's many moments of anguish throughout our life. We don't get to escape those. We don't get to walk around with the Christian smile, Christian, Christian, smile on our face. That didn't really work, did it? All day long, because it's not all about that, is it? Those who sow in tears, Charles Spurgeon defines them as liquid prayers. There's tears of sorrow or suffering. There's tears of joy. There's tears of compassion, tears of desperation, tears of travail or giving birth and tears of repentance. Planting our tears in him will cause us to reap our joy in him, not in our circumstances. When we go outside of God with our tears, that's when we become lost in them. We go to the world over our challenges in our marriage and the world says, just separate. We go to the world in our pain and in our sickness and they say that's completely understandable that you're miserable, just stay in that. We go to the world in our unhappiness and the world says, you need to find happiness at all costs. Focus on yourself for a while and just do whatever you want to do to make yourself happy. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I've forgotten to grow up. I just want to be like Arabella and say, I just want to do what I want to do. I just want to do those things that make me happy. I don't want to have to do those things that don't make me happy. The problem is, she gets away with that. I have to do all those things and I'm not happy. Here's some news for you. Your life is not your own. There's a great story in Nehemiah, if you want to turn there in chapter 8. It says, a Nehemiah... This is just after um, Nehemiah's gone through and rebuilt the walls. And Nehemiah and Ezra have gathered the people together and they're sitting in front of them and declaring the word of God. And Nehemiah, who was a governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they'd heard the words of the Lord. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, be still, for this day is holy. Do not grieve, 
And all the people went on their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice gladly because they understood the words that were being declared to them. Here Ezra's declaring the word of the Lord over the people and they were so grieved by their behaviour. They'd walked away from God, they'd embraced foreign idols, they'd turned their back on him and in this moment when he sat down and declared who God was, in that moment their hearts were so grieved because they'd found or tried to find hope in things that weren't everlasting. They'd put their faith in something other than the one true God. And so in that moment, there was such a grief and such a mourning. But I love this scripture because like the father waiting for the prodigal son, they're saying, do you know what? It's not about what was in your past. Right now, the father is waiting with arms wide open. The father is waiting for you to step back into relationship with him. Like the father waiting for the prodigal son, he's been watching and waiting for this moment. So right now, he is celebrating. So it's not a time of grief. It's not a time of mourning. It's a time of celebration for stepping back into covenant with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Zephaniah says, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. 2 Corinthians says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We're not meant to walk around depressed. We're not meant to walk around whipping ourselves. Our lives are to bring glory to God. Our lives are to radiate with the presence of God to the world around around us. Our lives are to give glory to him. And this doesn't happen in that state of depression. So how do we get this joy in us? A beautiful friend recently sent me this little snippet, obviously sensing that I needed a reminder about joy in my life. Good friends. Some days, you don't have to search for joy at all. It's just there, everywhere you look. Other days, you can't seem to find it, even though you're digging deep. That's when I want you to remember that I have created this day and that I'm with you, whether you sense my presence or not. Start talking to me about whatever is on your mind. Be glad that I understand you perfectly that I know exactly what's going on. Keep talking with me and, I'll, and you'll start to feel better. Just being in my company can bring joy into your hardest day. Psalm 16 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Joy, real Everlasting joy is only found in the presence and the will of God. Jesus' life so beautifully displayed this. The Father's joy in the Son enabled him to endure the cross, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that sat before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down 
at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy is derived from the confidence that the price of dying to our will holds the inevitable certainty of eventually realising the triumph of his. How do we endure whatever season that we're in? Because of the joy that is set before us. Back to the red letters in John. Jesus prays for his disciples and it was such an incredible prayer when you read through that and it's amazing how he, he doesn't pray that God rescues them or, or um, makes it all easy for them, but he just prays such an incredible, empowering prayer over them and says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they have not been of the world just as I am not of the world. Joy is found in the presence of God. Joy is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts says, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full in the joy of your presence. 1 John says, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Do we all know the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Ooh, good. I like it. Romans says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans says, May the God of hope fill you with all and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy shifts our hearts to a position of worship regardless of our current circumstances. It doesn't change, fade or expound based on anything we do or go through. Through the filter of his joy and by the power of his strength, we're able to witness the surrounding beauty of life in deep and complex layers, all in his time. My life is not my own. I was listening to a beautiful song on the way to church this morning and the line was, let it be known in you my joy was found. Isn't that beautiful? Let it be known that in you my joy was found. Not in these temporal things or fleeting things, but let it be known that no matter what life brings my way, my joy is anchored in you. Uh, my cousin passed away of cancer a couple of weeks ago and um, I wasn't able to go to the funeral because it's in Western Australia and so I was watching the um, broadcast of the funeral and it was so beautiful to hear the words of those closest in her life and, and probably the greatest thing I remember about her is there was never a moment that there wasn't a smile on her face and she was such an incredibly joyful person. And that's what radiated through the end of her life. And although her, her battle with cancer was horrible at the end and she was in horrific pain, the smile always remained on her face. And she touched the lives of so many incredible people just with the joy of God. And it was so beautiful to be able to see that others could see and say of her, that her joy was found in him. 
wasn't in her situation, wasn't in her pain or her suffering. She found peace in that moment still to be able to share the love and the joy of Christ with those in and around about her. At the end of my life, I too want others to be able to stand up and go. She may not have had that boisterous laughter. She may not have been one that you looked at and said that she's a particularly happy person or laughs a lot or whatever it is. But she walked in the joy of the Lord each and every day of her life. Acts talks about it. And says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Can we determine now, before we're at our end, that our race is going to be a race of joy? That each and every day, we're going to learn how to abide in him. We're going to learn how to draw on our source each day. That we're not going to be tied to our circumstances. Our circumstances, this place, who knows, we're not citizens of this earth. We're citizens of heaven. This is so fleeting. This is so temporal. When life circumstances are upon us is the joy of the Lord central to my life. Remembering that Corinthians says his grace is sufficient for us. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Sometimes we can live in fear of those seasons that bring tears to our eye. But we don't have the grace for that season before that season. We can't anticipate the goodness of God in that season. We can't anticipate the joy, the presence, the peace, the love of God that's going to walk with you in that season. I want to end with a, a psalm. Who knows that David, a man after God's own heart, had plenty of reason to um, shed some tears. And he did, didn't he? I think that's why I love David so much. His life was so real, wasn't it? It was like, God, where are you? What's going on right now? Why is everybody trying to kill me? But God, you are so faithful. But God, you have never left me. But God, your love is everlasting. Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. 
because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows closely behind you. Your right hand upholds me. To abide in the presence of God each and every day. To draw on the strength of the Holy Spirit, no matter the season of life that we're going through. And just find that peace and that joy in that moment of just abiding with him. That no matter what, God, you are so faithful. No matter what, God, you are so good. Jesus cried out, didn't he? Father, take this cup from me. Take this anguish from me. Take this horrific situation from me. But then he could look beyond that moment. He could look at the joy. He could look at the celebration that would happen because of one person coming into relationship with Christ. And he could go, you know what? For the joy that's on the other side of this, I choose to lay down my life. I choose to say that my life is not my own. And God, I give it to you. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.